Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hi, everyone. It's Jessica, your host. And before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to uh, share a few announcements from the Atman Yoga School, who is the sponsor of the One Sacred Pause podcast. Uh, a lot of really cool programs have been announced. Registration is now open. Uh, there's a restorative and yoga nidra teacher training in October in Oslo, halfway full. So if you want to join us, uh, send an email to hello at atmanyogaschool.com. Also, we have a few places left in our Trondheim 200-hour vinyasa and Ayurveda yoga teacher training. That is starting in October. And then we have just announced, we're so excited, we've announced all of the programs for 2020. That's right. So everything is up. It is live and correct on the Atman Yoga School website. So two teacher trainings, both in Oslo next year, uh, 200 hours starting in January, 200 hours starting in August. And um, we have a new studio partner, The Room, there in Oslo. So we are really excited. And there will be two restorative trainings one in Oslo, one in Sheehan. And then the last program we'll be offering for 2020 is a five-day intensive uh, advanced vinyasa teacher training. So this is a standalone training and it's open to anybody who has taken a 200-hour training previously and would like to learn more about sequencing and cueing and how to put a, a good, strong, inspiring, dynamic vinyasa yoga class together. So stay tuned, check it out, and and I hope you'll join us. And now it's time to jump right in. This week's episode is so fun, so inspiring. I know you're going to love it. All right. That's it. That's all. Welcome to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm Jessica, your host. And today I'm going to be talking about cake dharma and what happens when we get out of our own way a little bit and so i'd like to welcome tyrell refsom to the podcast welcome thank you for having me yeah you're so my welcome. puppy is also here he's making some noise i hope that's okay yes cute little simba <laughs> he's just like a little fluff ball three yeah, months so he's my fur ball yeah yeah it's so awesome mm. yeah i'm a cake or a cake nut i'm looking at your cake cookbook right here i know i'm a dog nut so more dogs the merrier yes mm. so you speaking of cakes and books, you just came out with an amazing new cookbook. And can you tell us kind of like what you're up to and what you're passionate about? It's to tell my story a little bit easier, simpler, more structured, because my world can be very big and I am completely in my recipes, in my world, and it has been it has been difficult to translate it. So my first book was big. You know, all these sentences and all these emotions and all the pictures, a huge book. And people are like, oh my God, how to handle that? Mm. So my next book was an experiment, how to break it down, really, and to make it super easy for everyone to make the cake. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So we're in Oslo right now and you just opened your second cafe. So you have cafes, you have cookbooks, and your main passion, though, is raw cake. It's about is it, pleasure, is it? actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so in the new book, I also have like baked in the oven. Oh, okay. It's not only raw. Yeah. For me, I eat everything. Yeah. I don't have a diet, so that's very important. It's all about pleasure and taking care of ourselves and mm. celebrating the little things. Yeah. And not like, it has to be raw, it has to be plant-based. Like, the books are plant-based because I love plants. Yeah. But I'm not against anything else. I'm not telling that this is the best way. Yeah. But I do know that pleasure and coziness is super important for our health mm -hmm. and that we forget about it especially in Scandinavia and Norway yeah we are very strict and we it's, we eat fast we yeah. rush here and there and forget to really taste the sweetness of life yeah. you know the simple pleasures that's my main uh, mission is to make us aware of that mm. I love that and it's funny because it really makes me think of um, Ayurveda which is a sister science of yoga and one of the oldest holistic healing modalities in the world. And in Ayurvedic nutrition, love is the most important ingredient. And so thinking about how we prepare our food with this consciousness, but even more than just awareness, it's about the emotion, uh, like you're talking about, of coziness and sweetness and love and appreciation. 
And then the thought is that if we are preparing our food with that, as we ingest the food, we're also increasing those types of emotional responses in the body. It's so, all the same. Yeah. It's not the food is out there and I'm here. And if I eat that, it's like that. It's just when we are in love and when we are open, we mm. relax and we can actually receive the food. Mm. So um, that's what you're saying is like love is the most important thing yeah. that to love ourselves. So we deserve good food. We deserve pleasure. We mm. deserve what's good. Most people don't even allow good into their life because they don't feel like they deserve it. So we rush and stress and we are so mean towards ourselves unconsciously because we don't feel worthy. Yeah. So love is the most important thing. And yeah. then we can talk about what's nice. You know, it's really good with broccoli, blah, blah, blah. But that's <laughs> not the first thing. Yeah. That comes naturally when we want to feel well and we deserve it. Yes. I totally agree with that. And have you found, so your story is really amazing because You started your first cafe when you were 25 and you had really quick success. And from an outsider's perspective, meaning somebody from not from Norway, from America, where um, raw food and your cafes are so beautiful and so cozy and so inviting. And the, the atmosphere of that is probably something you it's more you find it more frequently in America than you do in Norway. And so do you think that maybe some of your success is due to exactly what you're talking about, that in Norway or Scandinavia in particular, people have been like craving this almost permission to relax and enjoy? Exactly. I feel like I haven't allowed myself that for my whole mm -hmm. life. Maybe when I was a little girl, I did it all the time. We all, we all do as kids. Yeah. But then I had like 15 years of really, really strict life. Mm -hmm. And I could see that was normal. Yeah, And when I started to allow myself to feel good, I only wanted to create things from that space. Mm. So I kind of, in that, allowed others to also feel good about just being. Yeah, And since I'm the creator of Oslo Ron, the owner and founder, everything comes from there. Yes. So when I start a space, you know, the cafe is like a field mm. that is the energy I set is pleasure. Yeah. And people come in, maybe don't even think about it, but they feel like, wow, it's allowed with pleasure. Yeah. Mm. And they come again, even though they don't usually eat raw food, but they like the atmosphere because mm. they feel peace, love, you know, all that I discovered in myself when I wanted to take care of myself. So yeah. I had to go through that transformation in order to create that. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and that's holding space for people in a way that maybe they don't even know that they need to have space held for them. And that's probably that attraction or that magnetism to the food that you create, to the cafes and the atmosphere that you create is that it's really inviting. And maybe people don't even know exactly, like they couldn't describe it. If they're like, oh, can you pinpoint why you like coming to this cafe or why you like this food? They might be like, oh, it's beautiful. But a lot of people I think would probably struggle to go beyond that and be like oh it feeds my soul <laughs> yeah, and I think it's nice that we cannot explain it it's yeah. just a nice feeling yeah and I like that we cannot explain it yeah it's just some it's just a sensation that it's it's about wonder it's and it changes all the time but it feels good and if we trust that why stress about it you know we don't yeah. need to understand but I think we all hold space for each other in ways we don't really know mm -hmm. but we are in need of it like yeah. my man holds the love for me all the time even though I resisted I but he's there he's holding it and he's giving mm. it like the cafe is there for those who want it yeah and it's just open it's available mm. yeah And so that was like one of the reasons that I really wanted to bring you on this podcast and talk with you is because this is a yoga and meditation podcast, but um, within that is the yoga philosophy. And one of the teachings that comes out, especially in the Bhagavad Gita um, and some other yoga teachings and philosophy is this idea of Dharma. And Dharma is your sacred duty. It's your soul's highest purpose. It's your calling. And so the whole point or part of the point of this experience of being human is to really figure out what your dharma is and then to the best of your ability honor that dharma by living up to it and sometimes we interchange the word dharma with passion but it's more than passion it's more important it's more serious than just passion because passion can be like your hobby oh i love to go running oh i love to um go antique shopping or whatever but that's not necessarily your dharma 
Your dharma is this thing that you can't not do. And so in yoga philosophy, we talk about this. And in my teacher trainings, we talk a lot about this because it's kind of that big question, like, why am I here? What's the point? What's my purpose? And so many people struggle with this, I think, especially in the Western world where society and family have a lot of expectations for many of us. You go to school, you get a job, you start a family, end of story. And a lot of our creativity, a lot of our internal inspiration gets stifled. And there's no real way to listen to the wisdom within that might actually influence our path or our choices in a different way. And so it's super inspiring because it's very clear, (laughs) Tyrell, that you are living your dharma and you have beautiful cafes. You create the space where you're encouraging people to explore their connection and relationship to pleasure. And that is like so inspiring. And I also imagine that you would probably say something to the effect of you couldn't do anything but what you're doing. Is that correct? All that you say is so beautiful and thank you so much. Yeah. It's that that's why I do it. Mm-hmm. And if I could say that, that would probably be why I did do this yeah. to inspire others to do the same. It's not about the cakes, but I don't really say that because yeah. many people are like, okay. So you make cakes, but it's not about the cakes. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I need to be practical, you know? Yeah. It's a business. Yeah. I sell cakes, but underneath it's about what you exactly said. Yeah. Yeah. It's people who are in alignment with their dharma and taking action. So that's a big part of it too, is it's not enough to just find your dharma or hope that you find your dharma, but there's actually concrete steps that have to be taken in order to have the manifestation of that dharma. And um, it's, oh, now I just totally lost my train of thought, but it's so cool to see because that's the point is we inspire not just ourselves, but we inspire other people around us too to perhaps step out of the comfort zone. It happens automatically. Yeah. Everything you do affects everybody. Everything yeah. I do is like it's we are one, so it kind of has to yeah. affect. And one other thing I would have to say is that a passion can be connected to a lot of fun, pleasure, mm. lightness, you know, but mm. Dharma, was, as you say it, is a project. It's a really deep passion project that yes. goes far beyond pleasure, actually, because um, it's about survival mm-hmm. and it's about the core yep. and it's really tough. It's yes. really challenging. And I think we want that those challenges, actually. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, when we accept that, it is tough. It is challenging. We will cry. We will scream, but we do it anyway. Yes. That's where we find the real juiciness. And I could say that's the real pleasure. Yes. It's not happiness. It is that meaning Mm-hmm. that we seek and I have I have sought that for my whole life like yes. I want I could do so many things but it didn't really fit you yeah. know so I had to peel off all those layers to come back to okay who am I mm-hmm. and then all these inner ideas yeah. suddenly comes out from actually pain yes that's what was my way mm-hmm. I had to really I had a hard time when I peeled off everything yes. I thought I was And I was left with nothing. Mm -hmm. And in that nothingness on the rock bottom, I found something I could call my core soul. Yeah. And that is the business plan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't have like a business plan like others. I didn't have a budget. I didn't have anything, but I had that knowing what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So I was safe. Yeah. There was no fear. Yeah. I could have fear in my mind like, oh, how's it going? But it wasn't deep. Yes. I knew I like I couldn't really fail because it was the purpose mm-hmm. and I knew it would be so tough but that's not important because I'm going to do it anyway yes. because it's just how it's supposed to be yes well and that's exactly what the yoga philosophy says too is you do it anyways you do it when it's hard you do it when you don't understand it and you do it because there's just no other option we could try to escape it. You know, I could sell mm. Oslo Raw, but I would get the same teachings in some other. And then I would get up with a new business idea and get yeah. the same, you know, challenges. Yeah. So, but I chose this way. Yeah. We can choose, but it's the same anyway, mm-hmm. because I have come here to learn certain things and yeah. to do and give certain things that I have, have to give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's as a quick little detour. I mean, exactly what you're saying is what the Bhagavad Gita is talking about this 
very beautiful, very sacred text that we study in yoga. And it's this conversation between Krishna and Arjuna. And Arjuna is this uh, warrior and he's about to go into battle. And it's this huge battle scene and he's going into battle to fight actually his brothers, his uncles, his cousins. And right in the middle, right before the battle starts, there's this frozen moment in time. And so everything just freezes. And in that moment, Krishna, who is the charioteer, like driving the chariot for Arjuna, reveals himself to be uh, the divine or God or whatever somebody's interpretation of that might be. I've always tried to be very careful, especially (laughs) if we're on an audio recording, um, that it doesn't have to be God, but it can be your interpretation of some sort of cosmic consciousness. But anyways, in that moment, time freezes. And Arjuna is terrified. He doesn't want to go to war. He doesn't want to kill his brothers and his um, uncles and his cousins. And Krishna, in the human form, is like, no, stand up and fight, Arjuna. Stand up and fight. You must do this. You must do this. It is your dharma. It is your sacred duty. And we come to find out that it's all been preordained. It doesn't matter if Arjuna fights or not. Those people are going to die in that battle anyways. And so the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita are, you keep coming back to it. You keep reading it. Like there's so much wisdom and nuggets and it's meant to be a guide to help us in this journey to like, okay, well, when life gets hard, when we can't make decisions, when we're not sure what the right choice is, how do we have that faith? How do we have that trust? How do we have that inner knowing that can become sort of like that um, flashlight in the dark to show us where to go? And so it's, I always think about that when we get, or when I get terrified or I get frozen with indecision. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like Arjuna on the battlefield. I'm not making a choice. I'm in that moment. I'm not going forward. I'm not going back. What do I do? What do I do? And it always comes back for me to faith, trust, 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 get quiet, listen within the answers will come. And that's exactly what you were just talking about. Maybe not in the exact words of the Bhagavad Gita, but exactly what the Gita is teaching. But I think we all actually feel this. Mm-hmm. I haven't read a book, you know, about these yeah. things. I haven't studied yoga. Yeah. But it's the same. Yeah. It's So if we tap into it and really yes. listen to ourselves, it's the same story. Because yes. it's bottom line, we actually are the same. And we can tap into kind of a library of knowledge that is available all the time if we listen. Mm-hmm. And it has been like this for thousands of years. So yeah, that's the magic. Yeah. Like we are, we have so much wisdom mm-hmm. if we listen. Yes. And when you say that, like, of course, but you read that, but I just felt what was right. Mm-hmm. And that's the cool thing. It is universal, it's eternal, and it's very simple. Yes, it is very simple. And we get it so twisted and so complicated. We create so much distraction around our lives and around ourselves and the stories and the dramas that our mind are playing out. And so it becomes very difficult to get quiet enough to listen to that inner knowing or that inner wisdom. And so I think that's for me where yoga comes in and meditation come in, but those aren't the only ways. There's so many other ways that we can kind of calm ourselves down enough to disconnect or disengage from external stimulus. What are some of your um, favorite things to do in terms of spending time with yourself? First, what how I handle that very noisy stress is mm-hmm. to accept that yes I chose to come here at this time probably yeah I chose to feel this stress uh, and that's okay because it's like oh what the fucking the world is so stressful oh my god I shouldn't it shouldn't be like that but it's supposed to be like that so we can learn how to come back so what makes me relax and makes me happy is to accept that like mm-hmm. wow I'm worried I'm fearful I'm stressed my mind is going crazy and that's okay yeah And suddenly it just calms down because I'm not fighting it. Yeah. That's so stressful to say, be quiet. Yes. Come back to source now. <laughs> like, but I never left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was the question? What was my favorite? Just some of your favorite ways to, um, to help yourself calm down so that you can, if you find yourself maybe spinning out a little bit with whatever's happening, the chaos of daily life. I can feel that every day. Like mm-hmm. the, because there's so much happening in my yeah. life and I do have a very light energy. Cu- I can fly up really yeah. high in the hectic energy and yeah. work intensely. I don't need to eat, you know, I'm like 
I'm not feeling really my needs. Yeah. So I crash. Yeah. Um, so not to go there. I'm breathing a lot. Mm. I am spending a lot of time on my own, mm-hmm. like taking breaks because I do feel a lot. Yeah. And being with people all day it makes me so spacey and disconnected mm-hmm. that I'm suddenly just airy. Yeah. You know the feeling like oh buzzing. Oh yeah, no, it's it's called vata in yeah. Ayurveda. It's uh... and then um, you know water, earth, you're doing something very simple. Yeah, it could also be like putting on some nice oils, like a diffuser, mm-hmm. some nice music. But actually, just five minutes of sitting down meditation is super effective. Mm. Or it could be dancing. Something that is just distracting the pattern of the mind. Just interrupt it and say, mm-hmm. okay, stop. Yes. You know, because it, unless it kind of gets us yep. into the wheel and it's non-stopping. So it's our duty to, to interrupt and go, uh-oh, and do something that breaks the pattern. You maybe think about something you're grateful for. Look at the sky, feel the earth, you know, touch touch something. Mm-hmm. I'm really about the physical because I do feel very little physical sometimes. Yeah. I can just feel like everything. And that makes me very ungrounded. Mm. And it can be hard for people to feel that I am there. Mm. So I need to ground. Yeah. So the puppy is actually helping me yeah. because he's very physical and he needs to be fed and have water and go to the park you know and do these things some kind of that's a really good thing for me to come back mm. yeah so a relationship with my man is really connecting me mm. to back to the body yeah uh, if I were alone I could just spin off yep. nobody would really get me back and just talking about it makes me really <laughs> spacey <laughs> yes yes I I understand that I have a lot of that energy too and it's well, it's the creative energy. And when you're in that moment of, of intense creativity, it's very exciting. And it's like, it feels good because it's almost like you're buzzing. But then you're right. If you don't have something to balance you back out, at some point you could just like keep going. <laughs> and that's exactly, I mean, everything you're talking about is yoga, is Ayurveda. And it's very specific practices that we do that are holistic. So that it's not just this like, okay, every day I've got to go to the gym and lift weights. Like it's so much more than that. It's so much more inclusive than that. Having, you have fresh flowers here on your table, like having things in your home and your space that are clean, that are beautiful, that have no other purpose other than beauty can be a really nice practice of spirituality. And yeah, dogs and cats and animals, that's one of my favorites. It's like, you just pet them and you feel yeah. their energy and you hang out with them. <laughs> like so simple. And they're like, well, you know, we have a cat as yeah. well. And they're like, they are just walking and they're eating and they're pooping and they're doing what they're doing yeah. when they do it. Yeah. And we're doing, I'm doing 10, ten th- different things at the same time. And I want to answer everybody. And I'm looking at Simba and he's like, hi. <laughs> wow. He's licking my toe. Yeah. You know? It's like, that's what he's doing. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful and sweet yeah. reminder to keep it simple. Yeah. Yep. Do one thing at once. That's uh or one thing at one time. That's a hard one to do, especially when you're running a business and you're an entrepreneur. And <laughs> it's like very much both you and I have businesses and like having one foot in the very modern, busy go, 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 and then having one foot in more of a, a spiritually aware place can be really tricky and we need both yeah but if we don't handle the creativity it kind of takes us yeah it could because it's so strong the Mm. energy is really really intense and it goes on and on and on and on and on yeah and it never stops if we don't say okay but hang on i'm gonna do this list and check 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 and then i'm done Mm -hmm. because if i don't structure my creativity it burns me out yes that's For very sure. fascinating. Are you, I'm curious, um, are you good at finishing projects? I would say yes. Yeah. Yeah, more and more. Mm. I kind of have to. Yeah. Because uh, deadlines, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of delivery, you know, the book, I have to finish it. There yeah. are many people involved. If, if it wasn't, mm-hmm. maybe I wouldn't finish it. Yeah. I think accountability can be very helpful Mm. for people who have a lot of this vata energy, which is, so vata people, it's a combination of the air and ether elements. And um, the the 
some of the traits of people with Vata are they can be very enthusiastic and bubbly and very creative and um, very passionate. They think outside the box. But then when they're out of balance, they are really spacey and forgetful and they are have very little follow through. <laughs> and they just kind of are like, oh yeah, they'll start a million projects and then never finish one. So there's like, they're the people that have like a knitting basket and they have a painting corner and they have a novel they started they never finished. And um, I know for myself, having that as my primary dosha as well. I can start a million projects. Like I have so many great ideas for my business and all the things I want to do. But if there isn't anybody to hold me accountable, if I'm the only one who knows, then it's very easy for me to not finish them or not complete them. So that's why I was just asking because it's a common trait of many people with those energies. Yeah. And it's very important to know who you are. And yeah. if you are like that, that's yeah. okay. But team up with somebody who is different. Yes. Like my partners, yes. my partner, which is in the business as well. And my other partners and colleagues, they are so different. Yeah. And together we make it. Yes. But if they were like me, it would collapse. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an air balloon. Yeah. They make the structure. They are have so different qualities. Yes. And I accept that I am the who like I am the way I am. And I can also change, but my qualities are very, you know, creative and I have tons of ideas and mm -hmm. I come to the cafe and like, but hey, this cake is like, and this cake and there's that waffle. And what about, and I like, Tiril, <laughs> stop. We're just talking about the cake you mentioned last week and we haven't made it yet. Yeah. You know, that, and I'm like, oh, because it goes so fast for me. Yeah. And I want it to happen immediately yeah. and they haven't put it into structure yet and they are actually running the cafe yeah you know and I need them I need them to say stop yeah it's enough yeah <laughs> write it down maybe next month yeah <laughs> that's beautiful well and that's I would be so curious to know what your partner's um doshas were the other two doshas are pitta which is structure analytical getting things done very on point uh, very motivated And then the third one is the kappa, which is more of the um, sweet, nurturing. They're a little slower, but they like they'll get the job done. Like they're usually the ones to finish the project because they'll just like keep going at a steady pace. And then sure, yeah, that'll get done. I'll take I'll take care of that for you. And so when you have a, a business or a school project or you have a group, um, it's always recommended that you have one of, oh, Simba's licking my feet now. I love it. Um, that you have one. He's grounding. I know. Yes. Remember that you have one of each of the doshas because they do balance each other out and they do complement each other in ways that can lead to a successful organization or a successful group project or whatever the case might be. So I imagine that your partners probably have some of those traits to help balance out your airiness. Maybe before I wasn't ready to have that team because mm. I wanted people that were just like me. So yeah. there was no challenges, but I could also see nothing happened. Yeah. But it was so <laughs> nice because we agreed on everything. Yeah. <laughs> Now we don't agree, Yeah. but we really get to the core of the best. Yeah. We, we kind of agree in the end, but we do have different viewpoints. Yeah. And since I've grown so much since I started, yeah. I'm ready for that challenge and I want different people. Yeah. That's connected to growth and acceptance mm -hmm. because children, they, in the child consciousness, we just want the same and we yeah. just had to have fun. It's not that important to grow, mm. but that is the, my pri priority right now. Because if I don't grow, Oslo Raw cannot grow, nothing can grow, yeah. Rel relationship cannot grow, and that is connected with that core dharma you're talking about, mm -hmm. growth. Yeah. We need to. It yeah. kind of feeds our soul. Mm -hmm. Well, and the other part of dharma is it's important for us personally in our spiritual development, but like we've talked about a little bit, it does, it has this ripple effect and every one of us has a role that we need to play in society so that the collective karma or the collective um, group consciousness is also operating just like your business so that everybody has a role, everybody has a checks and balance, everybody's contributing, everybody's participating. And in that way, we can have happy and healthy societies. And, you know, I just want to point this out to people listening that When we look at texts like the Bhagavad Gita for guidance, they're not meant to, you read it once and you have all the answers. Like, oh, I figured life out. Okay, I know what I'm doing. Actually, they're going to raise more questions than answers. 
And that is the point of a spiritual self-inquiry practice is you have to do the work and it is heartbreaking and it is, you'll be down on your knees crying and screaming and like, oh my God, at some points, because it is so um, heavy to do that work. But if you do do that, there's this payoff that allows you to kind of upswing on the out the other end where you're like, wow, I know who I am. I'm comfortable with who I am and I can't wait to do my dharma. I can't wait to do that thing which I can't not do, if that makes sense. And when you do that thing that you can't not do, not only are you inspiring people, but you're actually playing a very important role in the society and the collective around you. And so that's why it's so cool when we think about like, okay, well, what's your dharma? And it's a very loaded question. <laughs> so some people are like, oh my God, can you just tell me, tell me what my dharma should be? <laughs> I'm like, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. Like you have to do the work and you have to go to some dark places to kind of integrate your shadow self with your light self in order to fully know yourself. It's uncomfortable. It's very we uncomfortable. We like comfort and happiness. Yeah. And we not like to know what's happening. So if I take this education, I'll have that kind of money. Yep. If I have that man, I will have that result. Yeah. You know, we want to know because it's comforting. Yeah. Well, it's already been def defined. Yeah. Like there's nothing left for you to question or have guesswork around. And when, for many of us, when you step into a space of alignment with your dharma, there's a lot of unknowns. And it comes back to what you were talking about, where even when you have setbacks or you have challenges, you still do it. And so for me, that's actually one of the big trademarks for somebody to know if they are in alignment with their dharma, if they are on the right path, is because it's very easy when something gets hard to just be like, mm, you know what, maybe not today. I think I'll come back. I'll revisit it later when I'm feeling better. Mm. <laughs> and so to me, that's right away an indication that's a hobby. That's not something you are so deeply committed to that it's on a cellular soul level. Maybe maybe they're not ready. Well, it could be that too. Yeah. But I th I don't know. I think many people are not ready. It's like they don't want to really they don't want to know yet. Yeah, that could be. I can see that many people want to have that safe education. They want to know. I can also see two groups like one group are, are really moving towards their yep. mission and one group is moving away from it because yeah. it's so uncomfortable seeing other people do it. Mm -hmm. So I have some friends that really just distance themselves because they don't understand anything. So mm -hmm. they become more clinging to what's comforting. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. That's yeah. their choice. And maybe they're ready later or maybe their next life. Yeah. So there's no pushing, but we have to decide for ourselves, like take responsibility for our choices and knowing that, yes, it's affecting other people anyway. Mm -hmm. That's enough. Yeah. And if they want to do the do their thing, it's okay. They do their thing. Yeah. But it's like people are really free to actually choose whenever they want. They are. But I think a lot of people feel stuck and trapped by kind of the confines of modern society where maybe, I mean, you hear this all the time. Somebody has a more, I'm using air quotes, socially acceptable profession. They're a doctor, they're a lawyer, they're an accountant, whatever, and They're like, yeah, it's okay. You know, it's work. It pays the bills. How many times do you hear that? It pays the bills. But really what I love to do is dot, dot, dot. And so many people, I think, are um, afraid of what the consequences might be or the temporary consequences of doing something that's a little outside the box. Most people are like that. Yeah. And the more that are like that, the less people dare to mm -hmm. explore the unknown. Yeah. But what happened to me that I lost kind of everything. I was burned out. I had no education. I kind of was on the rock bottom. Yeah. So that was a really good start because I didn't have anything to lose. Yeah. <laughs> But most people do. Like they have a career, they have the relationship and maybe they don't even want to be in that job or in that relationship. Yeah. But they don't want to lose it. Yeah. Because they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Fear of the unknown. Yeah. And it's, it's so deep, that mm -hmm. fear that it kind of feels like death. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand, but the more important it is for us to talk about these things and to believe that, yes, and as you said, faith is vital mm -hmm. for us to stand like, yes, but this, I'm going to continue to do it, even though most people don't. 
And if I can inspire one, that's beautiful. Yeah, thousand, that's beautiful. But I often think that when I post something on Instagram, like if this touches one person, yeah, it's worth it. Mm. Or even if it touches no one, it's worth it. Because I, yeah, I'm doing it for me. Yeah. And that's the essence of it. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. And it's, there's also a lot of confusion, like, okay, well, your dharma, does that have to be your profession? Does it have to be your career? And the answer is no, it doesn't. It can be something. So maybe you do have a job like a doctor, lawyer, whatever, and you know it's not your dharma. And yet you do do it because it, quote unquote, pays the bills. But it also allows you to clearly see where your time and your focus are going outside of that. That is your dharma. And so um, examples could be like a mother or um, I saw something so cool on there's a documentary on Netflix right now called Life in the Doghouse. I don't know if you've (laughs) seen it. It's so cool. It's a documentary, this um, older, retired-ish age uh, gay couple have turned their home into a dog uh, rescue and it's they have 71 dogs living in their house and their house is spotless like you wouldn't even know they had dogs there um and they've been running their shelter now for like I don't know a while and it's a nonprofit. it's registered it's all legit and the, these men as they're following them around for however long they did the recording they're like well of course when we see an animal in distress or pain we're going to do whatever we can to make sure they have the best life and if they can't get adopted then they stay with us they always that's our promise to that animal is they always have a safe home with us and i was just like oh my god <laughs> not only just cuz they're so passionate about animals but like they are willing to do whatever it takes mm. to follow their path or their mission and that's somebody living their dharma also where it's like, they don't care what anybody else thinks. They're doing it because they can't not do it. Even when it's hard, even when they're getting up at 5 a.m. to do their rounds and, you know, they have their special quarter with all the dogs who need their worm medication. So they have the special quarter for the dogs who've had surgeries and need to be. It's not actually work anymore. And it doesn't feel tiring because it's, um, it's right. Mm. And that is written. That is to be, to be rich. Yeah. That is a real deal. You know, when you have that purpose. Yes. And you really just have to do it. Yeah. That is, uh, you know, rich people can be so depressed. Yeah. Successful people kill themselves because they don't feel purposeful. Yeah. So if we find that something that we really, really just have to do, Mm -hmm. we become successful and rich. Yes. Even though it may not bring you a lot of money, but it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because it's the feeling. Yeah. And the world needs that. Yeah. The world needs people who are feeling for themselves sense of peace and calm and belonging and it's when I was in my early 20s it was a really painful time in my life and and I think back to how uncomfortable I mean it was even beyond uncomfortable that time in my life was and it was because I was so lost and I couldn't find any answers and I didn't have a direction and I didn't know what was going on and and then I I think about how yoga changed my life because it helped give me structure and it helped me um, have the tools for inquiry that led me to a place of internal calm where now like I still have bad days and I still get pissed about things and I still you know get annoyed about emails (laughs) but I can always come back to a space of comfort within because in general what I'm doing is in alignment with my dharma And I think that's something that a lot of people are searching for, you know, and that's why people have midlife crises, crises. And it's hard because there's no quick fix. There's no like, okay, here's what your dharma is. Here's what your dharma is. Like we have to do a lot of investigation and try things on before we find it. Sadly, we have to kind of hit the wall. It seems like we have to because uh, we don't want to go there if we don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like maybe in the future it would be nice if we started a little bit earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, you know, it doesn't have to be like with suffering and all this. It has, doesn't have to be like hell. It was for me and it has been for many, but yeah. I don't think it has to be. Mm. If we do it, like when I become a mother, I want just to be completely honest with myself and my mission. And mm. maybe that will change the child to do what they want to do. Yeah. But I don't think it has to be a really big struggle for the next generation. Mm. But it depends on us. Right. You know, how do we want to lead on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And one thing I have to say, what comes back all the time when we talk, it's the competition that we mm. think like, okay, but what's my purpose? But I have to be better than that person. And she's doing that and that works really well. But what can I do that is better? Yeah. And if we all do what we really want, it kind of ends up like a perfect puzzle. Yeah. And it all it's all different. Yeah. But that's scary because we want to compare ourselves all the time to check like, okay, where am I? What's my status? And that's so strong in our field. Mm. So it kind of comes from the back, even though we don't know it, it's there. So we're checking, checking, analyzing. And that distracts us from following our dream because our dream is very unique. Mm. No one has done it before. And Oslo Roy is very unique because I created it from within and no one can recreate it. Mm. And it's just me. And imagine if everybody did that. New things would happen all the time. And that is the solution for, you know, everything. That planetary things, you know, environment. Th- people would come up with all these amazing ideas that would fix things. Mm-hmm. We could help each other. But we are in constant search of being better than others and, you know, be the best doctor, the best of that, mm-hmm. instead of actually feeling what is right for me. Right. Do and I even is, want to be a doctor? Yeah. And <laughs> is this right? And that's such a big, that's such a big pleasure to accept. I'm like, okay, nobody likes it. That's okay. Yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Well, and then everybody would be, or more people would be happier. And I, I always try to be very careful with the word happy because it's not, I don't necessarily agree that it's a, a I think it's a temporary emotion. And in yoga and yoga philosophy, we tend to use the word contentment more than happy um, because contentment can indicate that you have that inner peace, that trust of that inner wisdom that can carry you um, through good times, through the happy times. If you're celebrating something really special and important, great, you are happy in that moment, but we don't want to get so tied to chasing the feeling of being happy. It's more like, can we make peace and find a sustainable sense of contentment. So when we are happy, but also when we're unhappy or when we do have a challenge or a setback, we still can find the beauty and the gratitude in that moment too. But I think overall, if more people were able to and felt free to explore their dharma, to pursue their dharma, then in general, our society, the vibration of the society would start to raise and lift a little bit. And then we could perhaps find a little bit more space, a little less tension. And as the next generation comes up, the new the children that are coming up, they would see a different solution. They would see us living by example. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. And so it always comes back to, okay, well, how do you find your dharma? <laughs> And I want to make sure I say something about this because I know there are going to be people listening who are like, okay, great, great, great. How do I find my dharma? Mm. And I think there's some exercises that people can do that I think are great for anybody, even if you have found your dharma. And um, writing in a journal about what you used to love to do as a kid, writing about or making lists of the things that you love. And it doesn't have to be anything like, oh, well, I love to you know, make money. <laughs> it's more like what feeds your soul. Yeah. Those things like, oh, I love to sit in silence at sunrise with a cup of hot coffee. Okay, cool. Write more about that feeling, that emotion. Like, why do you like it? Where do you feel the emotion in your body that is so pleasant? It's scary because it's so simple often. Mm. And it's so easy for us. Like for me, baking cakes was too simple for mm. a business idea. That was my <laughs> mind going. Yeah. No way you cannot live. You know, my ex-boyfriend also said that you can, you'll never make money on this. This will never work. And <laughs> that would, that's normal to say, you know, yeah. yeah, I could understand. Yeah. So for some people, things are really natural. Well, actually for all people, things are natural, like working with horses or it's, it's so natural that they don't even think it's a thing, mm. but for them, it's actually a talent. Yes. So that's a clue. Yeah. Where do you feel like time is stopping? You know, yeah. it's just being. Where do you feel like you are using more of you, of yourself? Mm-hmm. Where are you feeling like it's dreaming through ideas? Mm-hmm. And breaking it down to that. It's like always like what you're saying, like breaking it down. 
Yeah. So how is that feeling? And also suddenly it connects with sharing yes. at some point. You actually want to go out with it, but that's not the first thing. The first thing is just finding itself, finding it for you and enjoying that. As I baked for two years at home, only for me. Mm-hmm. And I went to the raw food education. I just wanted to learn about plants. I had no plan. Well, I had inside probably a very detailed plan, but mm-hmm. in my mind i just wanted to do it you know i just want to bake yeah and suddenly this location came up you know and i started to cafe and everything kind of became a business but that was when i was ready for it yeah so we we cannot jump to the business the first day we kind of have to check in what do i love to do Mm. and to go deeper into that and then suddenly all the ideas comes we have to take the first step in the decision of wanting to figure it out yeah we cannot figure out how at all that's not up to us just that we want to do it and that's like maybe the biggest step yeah and most people don't even want to know yeah because they are so scared yeah right and so that's also a good point is making the intention to stay open So for people who aren't sure what their dharma is yet, and they're like, okay, I want to know, well, make the intention to be open to receiving yeah, the messages that might be coming your way that if you're too distracted, you wouldn't hear. So how can you slow down in your life, in your thoughts, meditation, yoga, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that maybe you can start to listen a little bit more so that when you get those little spurts of inspiration or those little signs along the way, you can be like, oh, interesting. I never considered that, but maybe, and then before you know it, it's snowballed and you're like, you know, five years later, three years later, of course, there's nothing else I could Mm. be doing. Exactly. It's perfect timing. So if you find yourself in a place where it it feels so right, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's okay. Because I really wanted to find out what I was going to do Mm. so hard. It was so frustrating. (laughs) And I just wanted to know what I'm going to do. I'm like, what is my thing? Mm. And that's so stressful. But I wasn't ready to know. Yes. You know? Yep. And it's just perfect timing in everything. So for me, it's just the decision. I'm going to do it. And then the openness, as you say, it, to it. And yeah. then it will come. And you, of course, we have to take some action. But the real attitude is the, you know, that decision. Mm-hmm. Attitude of that, yes. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Bring it on. The leap of faith a yeah. little bit. Trusting the unknown and still being like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm ready. Let's mm-hmm. go. And it's then I think there's one more really important piece that you touched on. Um, then when all of that has happened, sharing your dharma. And that's when we in yoga and the bhakti tradition, which is the path of devotion, which is the, the Bhagavad Gita is a, is a devotional text, meaning... Um, there is an element of connection to source or the divine in that book and or God. But at some point, the question is, how can I be of service? And so that's another really important part of Dharma is it's not something that's ego driven. It's not something that you keep just for you. At some point, you have to give it away. And you have to, it's not just that you inspire people, but it's that you're very freely giving what your dharma is to other people it has to because it's too much to carry yeah like there were physically there was too many cakes in the room i had <laughs> to sell them i had to give them i so I, sh- I wanted to share them but there was too much joy yeah. and inspiration for me to sit alone i could go mad <laughs> you know because i was ready to share yeah and when i started to post on instagram i just discovered instagram you know when i started the business and like a cake you know and that was a, a relief. Hmm. You know, I was really like, oh, wow. And just that feeling of connecting with other people and giving mm-hmm. is part of the mission. Yeah. Well, and you're feeding healthy food. You're fe- um, feeding beautiful food. You're feeding food that's not, it's not like going to McDonald's and shoveling it in your throat. Like there's a purpose to it. And so when you're sharing food like that, there's a really elevated purpose, I think. Yeah, and it could be also that somebody would really like to start a raw food business in the mind, you know, and they would post mm-hmm. pictures of the cakes, but people wouldn't buy it because it wasn't right. Yes. Even though it was plants, even though it was beautiful cakes, mm-hmm. it wouldn't vibrate. Yes. Because it wasn't their purpose. Right. 
So actually, it could be so many things. It could be beautiful burgers, you mm-hmm. know, with the real passion to make those juicy burgers, mm-hmm. you know, and those people who wanted burgers got those quality burgers. Yeah. And that was divine burgers, you know? Yeah. So it, that's so important that the energy and the feeling within is more important than the product. Yes. Because the product is that right the product is a reflection yeah of so that people within. buy the cake they actually buy my values you know mm-hmm. and they believe in the same so they when they buy the cakes like oh i believe in the same yeah that's actually what they're doing unconsciously mm-hmm. it's like they they feel like yeah this is something i want people did raw food cakes long before me in norway but i did it differently yeah and suddenly raw food became really cool yeah and trendy and I was like, yeah, but it was here before. Yeah. But so I had a different message. Yeah. It was about pleasure. And it was really deep. So mm. it could carry a big business, but only because it was real. Yeah. Well, you also had the support of the universe. Like if you're thinking about it from a yoga perspective, um, because you are following your dharma, your dharma, not other people's who are trying to start raw food or, um, you know, burgers or whatever it is, yoga teachers. Um, Some people succeed and some people fail. And, you know, we have to differentiate between the act of the service, giving something, and the the monetary attachment to it. Because we do live in in a modern time. And so sometimes, oftentimes, dharma will be related to a profession. And so there will be an exchange of energy in the form of money. Uh, But being very clear that if you are in alignment with your dharma, it's not the financial payout that is the motivation. It's the sharing and the giving from your heart that is the motivation. And, and then it is that you cannot fail. Yeah. That's the thing. If you really know and you do that, you cannot fail. Yeah. That's my, I just know it. Yeah. That's why I have to be honest all the time. Because if I do something that is not from my heart, I always fail. Yeah. It cannot work. <laughs> it's like, oh, but it wasn't really me. Yeah. <laughs> so if I work on a project with some people that doesn't resonate and I don't want to do it, it fails every time. If I employ a person that if it's not a good match, it doesn't feel right. But my mind goes, yeah, but, but she's so good, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But we are not a good match. It fa- it's a failure. Yeah. Even though we are both beautiful people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I know exactly. I mean, that's why I started my business was because I didn't want to be in a situation that I had been in previously many times where I was forced to offer my craft in a situation that didn't feel good to me, that the values and the situations weren't in alignment with what I thought yoga should be or what I thought a yoga teacher should be or what I thought spiritual discourse should be. And so I was like, okay, well, if I'm not finding what I want, then I make it myself. And that's what I did when I created the Atman Yoga School. I was like, okay, I will build the community that I want that I'm not finding. And it's like, okay, well, there's maybe there's one person, awesome. Maybe there's 20 people, great. It doesn't matter. I know that what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's, it, yeah, but at some point we run businesses, both you and I do. And so there has to also be that exchange. You're like, okay. That's the interesting part as well, mm. how to build a business. Yeah. You know, how to make money, how to make a lot of money. Yeah. That's okay too. Yeah. You know? To build an empire, mm-hmm. you know? Imagine what an empire could give yeah. to others. Yeah. Imagine with a lot of money how much I can create and give. I can give so much more. So it's not egoic. Yeah. It's just that we can amplify everything. So I am a lot about abundance and a lot of money, a lot of everything. Because there is, and the smaller we think, the less we receive, yes. the less we give. So I'm all about big, 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 think big. You know, I was saying to myself five years ago, oh, I run Norway's most beautiful raw food cafe. We make this and this money. I have this apartment there. I had none of it at that time. And people were like, oh my God, she's crazy. <laughs> but I really just wanted to say to myself what I wanted and just say it out like, this is what I want. This is how it's supposed to be. And it was as if it was already there. Mm. And I'm doing that still, like how many cafes I want, how big I want it to be. And it's like, it's not small, it's huge. And I'm doing it because I want to share more. That's the motivation. It's not the money, but I know what I can do with the money. 
So many many spiritual people uh, are like t- taking a distance to money because oh it's material, but it's actually it's power. Yeah, we can use it to create more for others. Imagine if I the more money I make, the better products, the pure you know salads I can buy you know with those money. So business is so interesting done in the right way. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's one of my things that I've started to get so excited about is that as my business grows a little bit and for me, I can give back through the form of scholarships. So people who can't afford to come to a teacher training and would like to, um, can now come and they can apply and then they're gifted the scholarship. And yeah, of course I could force people be like, no, you got to pay tuition, but then that's not in the spirit of yoga. And that's not in the spirit of what I think yoga should be. And so it felt so good. The first scholarship I could offer where I had enough money for my needs and to pay my bills and everything where I was like, okay, I have enough. What can I give back? And you know, my goal, same, same with what you're saying is how can I continue to grow my business to the point where I can be offering a lot more scholarships maybe even get some business matching. Maybe I can offer scholarships for all my trainings. I mean, obviously not every place, but uh, right now I just offer scholarships in my weekend trainings. But if I could offer them in my 200 and my 300, it would be like a dream come true for no other reason other than the person who receives a scholarship is somebody who really needs it and really wants it. It's like, okay, take it, take it, take Mm. it. You need yoga. And it's like, I think at our core, we want to give back. Yeah, all humans do, whether we found our dharma or not. And so when we ask that question, how can I be of service? And we link it to our dharma or our purpose. I think that's when we can really accelerate with that path forward. And then we can really make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really nice to meditate and do yoga and sit for ourselves. You know, I, I did that for a few years, just me. And I felt so beautiful, alone. Mm-hmm. It was so nice, <laughs> you know. I didn't hang out with anybody. I was, was so, and I think I needed that. But then it, it comes to one point where you want to build something yeah. in, in any form, but actually go out there and do something. And that's where the real, you know, juice comes, mm-hmm. the real challenges and the real growth is going out in the world and make a change. And that is maybe the most interesting part of the job right now. It's not the cakes. It is how big can it get? Mm. How much can I change? How much can my values impact my society? Yeah. Um, and that wasn't the plan two years ago. Two years ago, it was like, get that cafe open running. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who make those cakes? You know, survive. <laughs> and now I'm ready to go a little bit further and a little bit further. And I can un- un- like unpack my dreams mm. and they are eternal new new dream a new dream a new dream behind that and a deeper purpose in that and then i start another business built on what i've already done it's eternal it goes on and on and on but the core is the same and that's where we get all the inspiration creativity motivation purpose mm. it's not coming from outside it's coming from the pleasure of giving and creating what we know is right yeah And imagine Van Gogh, you know, or Johann Sebastian Bach, or they didn't, nobody appreciated them. They did it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But in our world, like, oh, you have to have 10,000 likes to be worthy, you know? We are so spoiled that we cannot, we don't trust ourselves. But they did. And imagine how much, how much they have given, you know, Mm. generations of generations of music and art. Because they trusted, even though the world hated them. Like, oh, you know, they have nothing to do here. You know, and years later, they're famous. Mm. So I wish we were a little bit more in tune with ourselves, that we could actually just go for it. Yeah. Mm. That's such a, such a great place, I think, for us to end. Because it's, yeah, let's think about all the people who've come before us who did what they had to do that was their dharma, that was their purpose, and maybe they weren't appreciated. And how can we be inspired by those stories rather than the stories of Instagram influencers and YouTubers and the Kardashians? It's like we need to reframe (laughs) what we're focusing our time and energy on. 
It's so real, it's so simple, it's so clear, and we love it. And when I see a person that is real about it, I feel so grateful. And it's like I trust them. But it's not often. You know, I can see that, you know, on Instagram that people are real because they just want to share what they're sharing. But we all it's kind of twisting and making. And I, I do it myself, you know. It's so easy to, to put on a mask, to fit in, to be liked, to do what is wise in yeah. this society, to reach out. But I really miss that, um, that reality and the honesty. The rawness. Yeah, the rawness. Because you can see it. It's so beautiful and it's so vulnerable. Mm. And it's actually the most available essence and the feeling and sensation that we have as human beings. But this the one that we push away the most because mm. it's it is it feels so naked. Yeah. We can be hurt, you know, we can be rejected. But you know, do it being vulnerable anyway makes us free. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, I want to thank you so much for spending some time thank talking you. with me. And oh. I think the more we talk about these things, the more we become aware of the truth of that we feel and it becomes more real. Mm. Keeping it to ourselves is, um, yeah, it's okay. If nobody wants to listen, it's okay. <laughs> but I guess there are many people that wants to talk about this yeah. and wants to share and to get inspired and if we do feel like sharing share yeah if you if you are a business you want to start a business you just want to share something on instagram share it you know do it if you feel like it mm -hmm. because i think we are hungry for this kind of information yeah i am just by talking to you about it makes me, me more inspired to yes oh, that's mm -hmm. the thing right we don't when you put on the tv we don't see these things no it's not in the newspapers. It's not even the magazines, most of them. So we need to kind of choose where we want to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and stepping into conversations of spiritual nature with that openness and with that authenticity and with that trust that the people you're talking with or communicating with are going to meet you where you are. And that can be very scary because there are so many people who are not capable of meeting you where you are. And so sometimes it can be hard because you don't know then who can have a conversation about things like spiritual inquiry. And um, that's the whole reason I created this podcast is to have these conversations because I agree. I think it's so important and it's, it's, there's this very real sense of urgency that we need to be sharing these conversations, these topics and supporting and encouraging one another to perhaps dabble a little bit more into the deeper areas of ourselves and our reality rather than just the glossy, you know, shiny image we people have on social media. We have done that, but does it really work? Yeah. Have we do we get any results? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's the same for centuries. Pretty nice, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it's not real. Stuff your emotions yeah. down. Go pop another pill, go buy another dress. Yeah. It's no, it's not sustainable. And it's, um, it makes me really sad when I see people who don't know that there's another way, but then that's where we can come in and we can't shove the message down people's throat. We just have to, in my opinion, lead by example. And then the bigger you go, the more people you can show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not about you telling people what to do, but you just do it so big that people see you everywhere. And then it's like, yeah. Ah, it works. <laughs> yeah. You know, now people think I'm really cool, but they didn't before. Yeah. They were like, oh my God, she's so hippie. <laughs> you know, these raw food cakes. And now that everybody's like, oh, it's so trendy. It's so nice. You know, all these bloggers and influencers, like, it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the same as before. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, trend. Yeah. You know? But maybe those are the people that needed the message and maybe raw cakes was the avenue in which they're starting to get that message. Yeah, that's why I chose cakes because it's so nice. Yeah. And it's popular and it's sweet and it tastes good and it looks beautiful. Yeah. So everybody wants it. Yeah. It's like, mm, <laughs> interesting way in. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's, mm. but it's not even like you're being sneaky. It's just like, here you go. If you're interested, mm. take it. If you're not interested, don't take it. Yeah. And that's my attitude with yoga and the, the way in which I teach yoga and yoga philosophy and Ayurveda is very much take it if it works for you, leave it if it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And 
not everybody wants to come study with me. Not everybody wants to come to my school. And that's totally fine because there's a teacher for every student. But the people who like feeling safe and included and inspired will perhaps naturally gravitate to the Atman Yoga School and the things that I'm doing there. And and it's so cool when you feel like you have a little bit of um, agency over how you run your business and the people you bring into your business. And it's so amazing to see like that light in other people's eyes and that light in your eyes where you're like, oh my God, I love this so much, even on the bad days. <laughs> and the more true you are to your mission, the more true followers you will get mm -hmm. that, is, that are right for you. Yeah. You know, if I just posted really beautiful pictures of myself, you know, with the cake, just like really posing, I would get those who like that. Yeah. You know, the pretty. If I post some real discoveries, like talking about some really interesting discoveries, I would maybe not get those who wanted the pretty face, but I will get those who are interested in self-development. Yeah. So it, it, it like I'm sharing all of it Yeah. because I want all of them. But the more I share of the real, the more real comes in. And the more of those who are not interested in self-development falls away. And that's okay. Yeah. So we kind of get what we put out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I just want to congratulate you again on your yeah. second cookbook that just came out and your second cafe that just opened. And it's, I mean, it's so inspiring and it's so cool. And Ah, I can't wait to see what's next. I can't wait as as some of these other plans start to uh, come to fruition. There are a lot. Yeah, yeah, they're coming every day. It's mm -hmm. just about timing when it's right. Yeah, and I'm changing a lot all the time. You know, I'm developing, growing, and I get new ideas and new directions and new plans. Mm -hmm. And that is what I how I like it. It's a flow. Yeah, it's not a constant given project. It's actually new all the time. So that's me. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank and you for having me. Yes, you're welcome. Mm. Now we can go snuggle with Simba. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, yogis and meditators. Until next week. Hadabra.